Hello, uh, my name is Hojin, and uh, I'm one of the pastors here, and I get to share from God's Word uh, this morning. Um, American artist Robert McCurdy is known for his paintings of notable figures in contemporary history, uh, and his portraits are actually held at the National Portrait Gallery in Washington, D.C., and in particular, he's known for uh, photorealistic oil paintings of individuals like uh, writer Toni Morrison, uh, that's a painting, uh, the, da the Dalai Lama, and Nelson Mandela, and he's got many, many more, but those are paintings. They look like photos, right? Uh, his goal was to create an image with no expression and no implied past or future, which is why it's against the white backdrop so that the viewer and the subject can simply encounter one another. So when you go to the portrait gallery, um, these, these paintings are pretty big, and you just stand in front of it, and it's like you're face-to-face -face with these individuals. For uh, the artist Robert McCurdy, the subject of the artwork is the gaze. Isn't that like really powerful to, to think about? It's interesting to consider being invited to figuratively meet some of these folks who have passed, actually, um, to meet them, quote-unquote, face-to-face in a very personal way. You start to feel different emotions. You interpret their, their body language, their, you know, the wrinkles on their face, and, and all of that, and just through looking into their eyes. And... Like uh, Pastor Danny briefly mentioned, we are still in the series of going through the I Am statements that um, the Gospel of John provides for us from Jesus. And this is the sixth week, and in a lot of ways, these I Am statements have been a, an invitation for us to come face-to-face -face with Jesus, not to look at interpretations that we hear from other places, but to go to his very own words, to look at him in the eyes, see him face to face, and hear what he wants to say to us. Through these statements, Jesus is communicating to us who he is in ways that we can better understand. He uses a lot of different metaphors, and we've heard about the bread of life, the light of the world, the door of the sheep, the good shepherd, and then last week we heard about the way, the truth, and the life. And through these I am statements, we've seen over and over that abundant life is only found in Jesus. It's only found in Jesus. So this morning, we want to look at one more statement before we head into Easter uh, next Sunday. So if you have your Bibles, let's look at John chapter 15, John chapter 15. And uh, as always, if you don't have your Bibles, you can read along with me on the screen. Uh, we're going to look at um, verses 1 through 17, but for now, we're just going to read up to verse 8. John chapter 15, starting from verse 1. I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes, so that it will be even more fruitful. You, ha you are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. Verse 5, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. 
If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray briefly before we continue. Father in heaven, we ask a very, very bold prayer. We know that your son isn't physically here. But in the name of your son and by the power of the Holy Spirit, we pray that we will come face to face with your son. In some way or form, we understand who he truly is and how that matters for us today. And that's a work that only you can do. So we come before you humbly and desperately that we would see you in a way that matters. We thank you so much for who you are. We anticipate and praise you in advance for the ways that you will reveal yourself. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So we're in John 15, and this is actually the last of... Jesus' I am statements. It's the last one. We're actually going backwards next Sunday for Easter uh, to chapter um, 11 to hear one final I am statement. But this in the Gospel of John chronologically is the last I am statement. And it's the um, only statement that has the qualifier of true. We've seen the good shepherd, but he is saying, I am the true vine. True vine. In the Old Testament, Israel is actually described as God's vine and God's vineyard. But whenever Israel is described in this way, surprisingly, the emphasis is on Israel's failure to be God's vine, to be God's vineyard, to produce grapes and, and fruit the way that he wants them to. God says in Isaiah chapter 5, What more could have been done for my vineyard than I have done for it? He's saying, I've cared for it. I've done everything that I possibly could have. When I looked for good grapes, why did it yield only bad grapes? Despite God's care for his vineyard, it did not produce the fruit that he was supposed to. So as God's vine, Israel was supposed to show the world who God was. Here, when Jesus calls himself the true vine, Jesus is saying he is all that Israel was supposed to be. He will show the world who God truly is. That's what he's saying when he says he is the true vine. And more than any of the other I am statements, this metaphor that he uses is the most intimate. Others, the other ones that we've seen, there's, there's a separation, even physically. But this one branches are literally, right, they're, they're actually attached to the, to the vine, and they're vitally connected to the vine. The branches draw their life from the vine. The survival of the branches is completely dependent upon the vine. So when we think about this metaphor, this I am statement of Jesus being the true vine and us being the branches of that vine, then Jesus is our connection to God. Jesus is the source, our source of abundant life. So that's what we're going to look at today, that if Jesus is the true vine, he is our source of abundant life. And in chapter 15, Jesus uses the verb remain 11 times out of, out of in 17 verses. 
Uh, and it's actually a very difficult word, word to translate. Yeah, a lot of Bibles might translate it as abide, um, but it also carries this sense of like living. So, you know, the, the word abide is also related to abode. Um, it it con- uh, conveys this sense of staying. So when Jesus instructs his disciples to remain in him, Jesus is saying, live, live with him, live Live in him. Make your home in, in him. Depend on him and stick with him. It's, it's, it's this all-encompassing idea. And when we stick with the true vine, we will grow in experiencing abundant life. And we're going to look at this in, in three very specific ways. Uh, first, if Jesus is the true vine and we are the branches, we experience abundant life through living out our purpose. Jesus as the true vine shows us what our purpose is, and that is to bear fruit, to bear fruit. Jesus tells us that um, the branches connected to the vine, their purpose is to bear a lot of fruit. That's, that's the whole point of being branches of the vine. And the weird thing is when we look at this chapter, we don't right away see what the fruit is. Jesus is obviously talking figuratively, so what is this fruit that Jesus desires from us? And it's actually really vague. It might be weird to hear a pastor say that, like it's very vague. Um, At the very least, the fruit that we're supposed to bear comes from a lifestyle of remaining. So it's this all-encompassing product of remaining with Jesus in and out of season sticking with Jesus, depending on Jesus through all the ups and downs of our lives. And in verse 4, Jesus says, No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. A branch that is deeply connected to, to the vine will inevitably produce fruit. Any disciple who sticks with Jesus, sticks with uh, this true vine, will begin to display something about who God is is his character, his love, his faithfulness, his goodness, and his righteousness. And this fruit, in some way or form, points to the caretaker, the gardener of the vineyard, who is God the Father. And if you are a believer, you have some measure of fruit. If you have experienced salvation through a relationship with Jesus, you have a testimony of who God is, you have a real experience of the one and only true a living God, and you have a trust in who he is, and you have a desire to obey him and respond to him, that's all, all fruit of being connected to the true vine. Um, some of you may or may not know, but like, I enjoy having plants. It might be a very like millennial thing, I don't know, but I also grew up in a family, uh, in my my. Uh, my home, my parents, like there are plants everywhere. They must have over a hundred plants at, at at their place. And uh, at one point, my wife tried to count the number of plants at our house, and I can't remember exactly, but I'm pretty sure we hit sixty. Um, not all of them were very big, but since then, you know, we had our daughter, and unfortunately, they got neglected and you know, uh, thrown out. Um, but one of the plants that is still with us, I'm talking like it's, it's a person, um, that I'm really proud of is, it's called a donkey tail. I don't know if you know succulents, but um, 
yeah, this was propagated from my parents from actually just one line, um, one vine from uh, 2018. And I just want to show you a quick picture. I don't know why it's so blurry. Bad picture-taking skills. Um, but this is what it looks like today. I took this last night. And my wife took a really good picture of my arm. Uh, um, I just wanted to put that out there. Um, I cannot remember all the in-between stages to where it is, April 2022. I do remember watering that little thing back in 2018, wondering if it's ever going to grow. I felt like nothing was happening week to week and month to month. But now when I look at it, I'm always kind of caught off guard, like, how did it get to this state? And while we don't want to take the metaphor of the vine and the branches too far, we have to notice that Jesus uses a metaphor that points to slow, organic growth. Slow, organic growth to represent how we bear fruit. In her book, Uh, Liturgy of the Ordinary, Tish Harrison Warren, she writes this, the kind of spiritual life and disciplines needed to sustain the Christian life are quiet, repetitive, and ordinary. I often want to skip the boring daily stuff to get to the thrill of an edgy faith, but it is in the dailiness of the Christian faith, the making the bed, the doing the dishes, the praying for our enemies, the reading the Bible, the quiet, the small, It's in the dailiness of the Christian faith that God's transformation takes root and grows. You know, more often than not, growth happens not at retreats, not on Sunday mornings. A lot of the bearing fruit that happens in our lives happens in between these milestone events in our lives. It comes from... Bearing fruit comes from as a result of staying connected to the vine in and out of season, staying connected to Jesus with this expectation. You actually expect it from Jesus to receive everything you need to become everything he wants you to be. There is this amazing simplicity of remaining with Jesus. Just stick with Jesus through and through in every season of your life. And on the flip side of things, it's very complicated, isn't it? Wondering if you're growing, feeling like change doesn't happen. Um, You're questioning whether you're bearing any sort of fruit. But in remaining with and abiding in and sticking with Jesus through ordinary trust, through obedience to him, we will experience growth and transformation. It's inevitable if you commit to walking and sticking with Jesus. So that's our purpose So if we have our purpose, the next thing that we see in John 15 is that we have a process. If Jesus is the true vine and we are the branches, for abundant life, Jesus gives us the process. And that process is to be pruned. It's to be pruned. In order to experience abundant life, Jesus is guaranteeing so that we can bear more fruit, we need to be pruned. In Jesus In verses 1 and 2, Jesus says this, I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. Before we look at pruning uh, specifically, 
uh, we have to see that God the Father either cuts off or cuts back. And the language of cutting off is, is language of judgment. He talks about fire. He talks about being thrown away. The branches that do not produce fruit prove to not serve their purpose, right? They're not bearing fruit, and God will have to cut them off. And these branches likely point to false Christians who attach themselves to Jesus but show no meaningful or concrete signs of abiding in and sticking with Jesus. And, of course, only God can judge uh, whether, uh, you know, who these branches are and whether they're true branches but there are definitely people in the world who claim to follow Jesus but have no interest in reflecting Jesus to the world or lack any resemblance to who Jesus is, to the heart of God, to his character. And this is a serious warning, but I also want to say it should not make anyone who earnestly follows Jesus anxious about their salvation. If you even have an ounce of wanting to follow Jesus, you should be assured that you will bear fruit, that Jesus, that through Jesus, God will lovingly prune you. So for the branches that do produce fruit, fruit, they are cut back. They are pruned so that the branch can be even more fruitful. Pruning is this seemingly really severe act of cutting back growth in order to maximize the health of the entire vine and to produce the best fruit. And the weird thing is that Jesus use, uses a word for prune that is not related to grapes. Um, it can actually be translated as cleanse or purify. So when Jesus says he's, that God is going to prune, in a sense, he's talking about spiritual realities of holiness. And I think a lot of us who have been following Jesus for any amount of time, we are familiar with experiences of being pruned. God pruning in our lives can come in a lot of different ways, but here are a few examples that came to my mind because I feel like I've experienced these things even very recently. Some examples of being pruned. When you have a problem or a failure in your life that feels beyond repair. When you have a disappointing realization about yourself. When you are confronted with a closed door or a setback in the pursuit of your dreams, when you have a frustrating circumstance that makes you feel powerless, when you receive a harsh piece of feedback from someone you respect or someone you love, or maybe it's receiving an unexpected wound or a loss that seems all-consuming. Those are just examples. I think God can prune us in a lot of different ways, but that's what came to mind. And God often has to prune us because sometimes the priority of bearing fruit uh, with Jesus takes a backseat to our careers, our relationships, our comfort, our dreams. And he prunes back some of these things because none of them are ultimately... Um, we were not created for those things, ultimately. None of those things will bring lasting happiness to us. And God's pruning is often painful and disorienting, but he does it so that he can cleanse us, to purify us, so that we can see more and more that we were created for intimate connection with him. 
Uh, the scary part, as I was reflecting, is that we can live, and I've done this, we can live in a way where we bypass God's pruning. We can design our lives in a way that God's activity can go unnoticed, and it's almost in our DNA, living in this world, to see life's problems, and the only solution that we know, the knee-jerk reaction that we have is to try harder, do more, and go faster. When God prunes us, he often wants us to slow down and slow down enough to listen to Jesus, slow down enough to realize we need Jesus, to respond to him and actually depend on him. It's not to go, okay, I'll slow down a little bit, Jesus, but like back to my, you know, the regular you know, schedule program. Frederick Dale Bruner, he, um, a Bible scholar, he says this that really kind of shook me up. And John 15 is some of Jesus' final words before he goes to the cross, and this is what he writes. The Lord's own deepest pruning, so Jesus was pruned too. The Lord's own deepest pruning was the cross. Faithful disciples too, it is promised again and again in the Gospels, will have their crosses or pruning. But in three days, the harvest of the empty grave and the reality of life followed Jesus' cross. Something comparably miraculous and fruitful waits on the other side of every faithful disciple's prunings and crosses. This is the gospel in our verse. This is the good news. God's pruning can feel like pain with no hope. God's pruning can feel like a death, a defeat. But Jesus' resurrection thousands of years ago declares over all of us that when we remain in Jesus, when we abide in him, we stick with him, we will experience something that is comparable to Jesus' resurrection from the grave. It's something comparably miraculous, something comparably fruitful. Every time we start to bear fruit, it's a miracle. It shouldn't be, oh, it's a, it's a given thing. It's a miracle those things happen. That means the vine is connected to the branches, and the branches are remaining in the vine. So purpose, bear fruit, process is to be pruned. And the last thing I want to point out for abundant life is our practice, our practice, which is to love one another. The way we experience more abundant life available through Jesus is by loving one another. And Jesus says it a bunch of times, and he changes gears seemingly in verse 9. He says, as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. Earlier it was remain in me, but now it's remain in my love. In verse 11, we see that remaining in his love is so that we can experience Jesus' joy in our own lives and that we would have complete or perfect joy. And this is the picture of abundant life. By being deeply connected to Jesus, the true vine, we can experience the love that God the Father has for his one and only Son, Jesus Christ. And Jesus loves us with that love that he's received from God. He loves the branches with that love. And Jesus commands his disciples, verse 12, love each other as I have loved you. And the command is to extend the love that we receive 
from Jesus to others. And we have to really take care to read, read this slowly because the command isn't to increase the quantity of our acts of love. His command is to love out of a deep connection to his love, to Jesus' love. The way I read it is love in a way that draws your purpose, your strength, your endurance, your hope in the love that Christ has for you. That's what it means to remain in the true vine. Don't love on your own strength. Love out of the abundance of Jesus' love. So when Jesus commands this, he, he says it to his inner circle, right? The remaining 11 disciples before he goes to the cross. And he's not saying that love for the world is less important, but he's talking with the people with whom he spent the most time on earth. And he is highlighting that the most noteworthy characteristic of this group, this group of followers, should be a love that cannot be found anywhere else in the world because it's a supernatural love. Love flowing from the God the Father to God the Son and then God the Son to his disciples, his followers. This supernatural, this divine love that is expressed and experienced by very ordinary or maybe even less than ordinary people. Uh, This past week, I did this really nerdy thing and uh, I was really interested in fruit because I was studying this uh, passage and I learned actually from a website from my alma mater that there are approximately 7,500 varieties of apples in the world. 7,500 varieties of apples grown throughout the world. Out of that total, 2,500 varieties are grown in the United States. Out of that 2,500, only 100 are grown commercially. This means the selection of apples we see in our grocery stores is a tiny, tiny fraction of what is available in nature. For the apple haters, there are 400 varieties of oranges in the world. (laughs) Isn't that a little upsetting to find out? Like, I, I like fruit, I love apples, I love oranges. When I go to the grocery store, I maybe see five different types of apples, a couple types of oranges. This means that we are largely missing out on experiencing a very wide range of flavors and textures of different fruit. And I see this as similar to when Jesus' love manifests itself within the family of God. Each of us has the ability to express Jesus' love uniquely because God has created each and every one of you uniquely. God has given all of you unique life experiences that give you the chance to uniquely reflect something about God that no one else, no one else in the world can. Especially if we are branches connected to the vine, growing more and more and more to bear more and more fruit. And more than ever in this very divided world we live in, we need as many expressions of Jesus' love as possible. And it has to start within the family of Cornerstone. If our purpose in abundant life is to be fruitful, one of the most significant ways to be fruitful is to love one another in the family of God, then Cornerstone should be bursting at the seams with countless expressions of love for one another that look in some way or form, like the love of Jesus. 
And this means not just the people who you like, because Jesus didn't love like that. It's also for the people you don't know, even the people who might get under your skin. Because if we consider Cornerstone our church, then each person here has been given to one another as if Jesus gave them directly to you. Sometimes you wish you didn't, you know, that Jesus didn't give certain people. And I understand that. But every spiritual sister, every spiritual brother has been gifted to you so that the undeserved love that you receive from Jesus can flow through you to the people in this family. If Cornerstone is full of people who remain in Jesus' love, who remain connected to the true vine, then we will be a community that grows, understanding that we receive undeserved love, and then we extend our many expressions, our imperfect expressions of that love to others who are not more undeserving than ourselves. One Bible scholar describes this as the breathing exercise of believers. You inhale Jesus' love, and then you exhale love for others. This is how we remain in Jesus' love and the only way that we can bear fruit. And when I step back and think about this metaphor of the true vine and the branches, initially it sounds like a metaphor where we benefit and that we receive so much, right? The vine that gives all the nutrients, everything that the branches need for survival, for productivity, for success. But Jesus says, your purpose is to bear fruit, is to have others receive that fruit, experience that fruit. The process is to to be pruned, to be transformed, to be more fruitful, to extend more and more to the ends of the earth who this God is, who the gardener is, and that the practice by which we do it is a love that other people want to experience, they, a love that, that makes people stop in their tracks, a love that none of us can claim come from, comes from ourselves. It's a love that we receive in Jesus that we freely give to others. And that's the beautiful part of this I am statement. And just like we come face-to-face with Jesus, like those portraits that I talked about earlier, when people talk to, to us, when we're deeply connected to the true vine, it will feel like for them that they've come face-to-face with Jesus also. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for this time to sit under your word. We thank you for all of these I am statements. They give us a different facet, a different angle, a different perspective of of who your son is, but also who you are, Lord. And we also thank you that before Jesus left, left the earth, he promised the Holy Spirit so that we would obey everything that you have commanded, and this command to love one another, in particular, the fruit of loving one another, it's, it's not always easy, even within the family of God. 
So as branches that want to stay deeply connected to the true vine, we come before you, we ask for your help, your strength, the endurance we need, the hope we need, the, the joy, really the joy that we need to see that truly the only abundant life that we can experience is in Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. So my sis, for my sisters and brothers here, I, I pray that they would see that their purpose is not to hit that benchmark, that milestone in their lives, in their careers, and in, in the, their relationships. But it's to bear fruit. Bear fruit in a way where people can see who God is through us. That for my sisters and brothers, as they go through different types of hardship, different types of obstacles and pains in their lives, that they would see that all of that can be used purposefully. That anything that feels like a defeat, you are more than capable of transforming into victory, into bearing more fruit in us. And for the practice of loving one another, help us to not love on our own strength, but to draw deeply from the the well of your love and extend that love to one another. So may Cornerstone be a healthier spiritual family because we've seen Jesus as the true vine this morning. We need you to, to help us in this work, help us to stay vigilant, to stay persistent, and to stay faithful and see testimonies of that happening at our church so that we would be a church that makes you known to Boston and beyond. So strengthen us even as we continue to worship and as we head into Holy Week. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.